You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking some golf. And we've got the American Express this week, uh, not the, uh, you know, not the American Express Open or Invitational or just the American Express. They paid big bucks for the sponsorship for this tournament, so they get to call it whatever they want. And so we have the American Express this week. We'll be breaking it down for you over the next 45 minutes or so. Of course, I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84, and I've got Mr. Derek Farnsworth, Notorious, alongside me. Noto, what's going on? And I'm uh, still trying to get over uh, Russell Henley losing a five-stroke lead uh, on the back nine there. Had an outright on him, had him uh, in my main lineup. So uh, that was a little brutal, but uh, ended up being a fun tournament. Uh, something about, you know, having snow outside and watching some Hawaii golf that'll never get old. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, jealous here in the Midwest seeing that Hawaii golf and watching it uh, late into the evenings. But uh, you may have been disappointed with the Henley defeat, as was I, but our producer, Steve, uh, has a live parlay on Hideki to win the tournament and the Titans to win the Super Bowl. So, no uh, so he's got a shot with that, with Hideki winning last week's tournament. Uh, it, it would be real difficult for me not to uh, to, to punch the cash out button <laughs> at some point. Um, it, but uh, I don't have diamond hands when it comes to the uh, you know those long shot parlays. But I need uh, so he, I need a backstory. Is this a pre-tournament bet and what what went I, into this? I, well, I don't know, but it's a good play. He got Matsuyama yeah. to win the tournament. So we'll, we'll have to have Steve fill us in on the, uh, the details, but uh, uh, I feel like he said he bet it after the first round. And uh, anyway, Still, that's awesome. Yeah. With Matsuyama coming back on Sunday. And, and I mean, it's not like Henley choked, but he just didn't, didn't make any birdies down the stretch and Matsuyama took advantage. And then of course uh, hit uh, just a, a ridiculous shot on the, uh, the playoff hole. So, uh, kudos to Hideki and Henley for a good battle there and was basically a two-man race for most of Sunday. Um, anything else that stood out to you last week, good or bad, as far as performances? I know we had uh, some popular players miss the cut. Sung JM uh, pretty much didn't do anything, couldn't get any put- putts to fall on Thursday. Uh, but uh, what else stood out to you last week? Yeah, I mean, just the Henley thing. I mean, he played the 18th hole five times and had four pars. Uh, for whatever reason, he just couldn't 
get that draw working um, on the 18th, and you needed that. He kept hitting into that bunker a little bit through the fairway and had to lay up, and you kind of get the feeling there at the end that um, he needed to birdie and win in regulation or else he was just going to lose. Yeah. He had lost So, he, wait a so. minute. He So, he parted for did, – so, did he birdie it at all? Because he bogeyed it on the he, playoff hole. He eagled – okay, so, yeah, so three pars. Okay, three pars bogey, and a bogey. And, and an eagle. He eagled <laughs> it one day. Um, so no birdies though. On five, I was going to say, I trips. thought when you said he parred it four times, I was thinking, Oh, four pars and a bogey on a, yeah, I, I turned it off after he air yeah, mailed the green. Um, he, he, he finished out and made a six. Uh, somebody was saying, was... somebody was saying he tried to, uh, bank shot it in there off of Hideki's ball. So who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Try hitting it off the flag and then yeah. next time, yeah. I mean, at that point he had nothing to lose, I guess, you know, Hideki had stuffed it to two feet, but, uh, yeah, I just kind of feel bad for him that he's uh, he's one of those guys to get the new Tony Fino curse going that uh, just can't get over the hurdle with uh, with the Sunday finish. But I, I I was all over the guys with the leaderboard, but I just did not have a good six of six lineup. In fact, I don't think I had any. Uh, I had a lot of five of sixes that were pretty good, but when that cut line moved by one stroke there right at the end on Friday, it uh, knocked a, a good. Uh, chunk of my player pool out of the the mix so uh, sometimes that friday sweat can be worse than the uh, the sunday sweat if you're basically just getting eliminated at that point so and there wasn't a whole lot of chalk that was there at uh what it ended up getting to five i think so um my best lineup had sabatini on it he was four under um nick hardy i had in quite a few lineups he was four under so uh, Grillo was three under there was an answer fell apart at the end so lots of guys that just didn't quite make the cut for me uh Webb was a bit of a surprise there at uh you know barely finishing above dead last of all the guys that made the cut so uh another reminder that golf is unpredictable while Matsuyama and Henley and Kisner were strong strong guys there at the top you still had Michael Thompson Lucas Glover Russell Knox Matt Kuchar what a top 10 for Matt Kuchar that's the most upside we've seen from him in a while uh Adam Svensson up there too so you know golf is a is a fickle sport it's part of why we like it so much anything well, else that you want to uh I mean man I say it every time after these short tracks but you just throw away the model when it comes to Kevin Kisner on the short par 70s he plays like six events a year where he just dominates every single time. And I always say, Oh, we can't play him with this price and ownership. And then every single time he uh, ends up in the top 10. So I'm going to try to change that moving forward. And then did you see the whole Kevin Nod debacle uh, getting into it with Grayson Murray? I did. I did. I, I couldn't see all of it because I am blessed by being blocked by Grayson Murray on Twitter. Um, You know, the evil spirit that I am, uh, I don't get blocked very often, but uh, Grayson Murray is one that that has. So um, but I saw it all through the uh, secondhand uh, accounts and screenshots and uh, I say Kevin and I got the better of that one. Yeah, he did. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, we need we need slow play to get addressed, especially on the putting green. But uh, I don't think Grayson's our guy uh, to fight that battle. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I've heard some podcasts say we just need a, a shot clock on the greens. <laughs> and if you don't get, get your butt off in time. Um, you know, you get a penalty or whatever, but <laughs> I think that'd be uh, pretty interesting. That'd be some theater. You need a clock for JB Holmes around the whole course. Uh, hadn't, hadn't had a good JB dig in a while. So we had to get that in there. A couple of housekeeping things before we move on and start uh, breaking down this week's tournament. A, if you're looking to chat with us you can join the free Roto Grinders discord, rotogrinders.com slash discord. 
uh, you're f- free to get in. Uh, so as long as you're a Roto Grinders member, you don't have to be a premium subscriber. Uh, you can get into the Discord. You you can access some additional channels if you're a premium subscriber. But you can just get in to the Discord and to this channel, the live stream chat, and uh, throw your questions and comments in there. We're happy to uh, to, to interact with you during the show. Um, and if you are interested, you can sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, get access to a lot more Discord channels, a lot more live shows, content with NBA going strong, NFL in the playoffs with golf starting back up. Uh, never a bad time to sign up. And if you want to do that now, you can uh, get 10 bucks off your first month of Roto Grinders Premium uh, by following the link that our producer Steve will throw in that live stream chat on Discord uh, to get your 10 bucks off. So, and New Yorkers, welcome to sports betting. Golf's a great sport to bet on our Roto Grinders homepage. You can find uh, plenty of links to get yourself uh, rolling with sports betting in New York. And Bet MGM is officially live now. So that gives you five sports books to, uh, to utilize already if you are located in New York. All right, let's go ahead and start digging into the analysis here. And again, we've got the American Express this week. Uh, this is a pro am tournament that has generally utilized three courses. And then uh, the cut does not come until after the third round. Last year, they only utilized two courses and they scrapped the Pro-Am format due to COVID. Uh, So a little bit of a grain of salt with last year's numbers because there were only two courses in the mix. They maybe used some harder pins without the amateurs there. Uh, But we're back to the normal three-course rotation and the third round cut for this week's event. So uh, Noto, why don't you give a brief uh, overview of the three venues this week? Yeah, this is one of those weeks where you kind of throw out course fit. Um, you have the stadium course. It's going to host two of the rounds. Uh, you have the Nicholas course, which is kind of uh, in the middle in terms of difficulty of the three. And then La Quinta, it's like the easiest course uh, on tour every single year. So guys are going to make a ton of birdies on that course. Um, all three are going to be par 72s. All three feature Bermuda grass. Um, and they're all going to play pretty easy. Even the stadium course is top 15 in terms of uh, difficulty uh, on the easier side of things. Um, the stadium course, if you do want to, you know, play in the course fit, it is a P-Dye design. Um, no specific skill set really needed there. Um, the fairway is pretty tough to hit. Everything else pretty easy. Greens, scrambling, uh, putting not too difficult. Uh, and you're going to just need to make a lot of birdies. Each of the last nine winners, at least 20 under par. So uh, I like that angle, uh, the birdie making angle. I like targeting guys that are good putters because guys that are bad putters often tend to struggle uh, to win when the score is 2,500 par, Um, you know, Hideki won last week, but uh, he putted the lights out. So um, it wasn't just all ball striking. And then uh, I don't mind looking at guys that play well in California, guys that play well in easy courses. And that's pretty much it for me. Do you have a a strong take? I always struggle with these events with uh, the three day Uh, for whatever reason, I just never seem to work out well. Yeah, I was going to say Noto really doesn't like this event. He'll put on the brave face and uh, and talk about it for us and do the content. But I know deep down he does not like these three-course pro-am type, and they aren't the most exciting ones the rounds take forever and what have you. But um, I do think important to note if you are playing some showdown contests. So all three of these courses are fair, yield plenty of birdies, but the, the host course, the stadium course, does have a lot more trouble lurking and that those tend to that course tends to have the highest scores overall so if you're playing showdown for any of the first three rounds you definitely want to avoid uh, the golfers playing on the host stadium course even though that's the one that has the shot tracker um, it, it will play harder than the other two generally speaking so 
Uh, that is one thing to note. Um, I don't know. You, you got to stay on your brand of bad putters, man. All they got to do is all they got to do is putt good for a week. Um, you know, Gregorius the Wise was in the chat asking why I'm always obsessed with Doug Gim, and that's why I'm obsessed with Doug Gim. If you look at his numbers, his last 50 rounds, 12th in ball striking in this field, and he's super cheap, but his putting is like near the bottom. So, um, yeah, you just got to get hot with the putter and uh, and make some birdies at this event and hold your own in your first of your three rounds on the on the stadium course. So, um, you know, it is a week where you can probably take some chances, be a little creative with your GPP, GPP builds uh, with every golfer getting three rounds. Uh, you know, it's it makes the, the cut a little less of a, a must have, particularly since the final round is going to be contested on the hardest course. So, you know, not a bad week to go with some one or two percenters in GPPs. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good strategy. I also think the Stars and Scrubs is uh, certainly in play with, uh, you know, two big names at the very top. And I don't feel great about a lot of the 7K range, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting at the top this week because uh, there's not a lot of big names in this field. So if you look at the betting odds, like you're getting John Rahm is like five to one or six to one in some spots, can't lay seven or eight, eight to one. Uh, and the numbers that you're seeing on Rom just aren't numbers that we generally see in PGA Tour events these days. Uh, he's surely the best golfer in the field, but uh, it's uh, it's just uh, it's shocks you to see somebody other than Prime Tiger having like five to one odds to win. So uh, let's just talk about those two guys at the top then, Rom and Cantlay. Um, clearly the, you know, the two most impressive golfers in the field, they both grade out near the top, almost whatever you want to look at statistically Rom first and sixth, his last two trips here, Cantley ninth and second, his two trips here, uh, just hard to argue against either of them. So do you think you need to start with one of those guys in your, even in your single entry builds this week? I think, uh, I need to, because, uh, that's my plan. Um, in my model, you know, the ratings are out of a hundred. I haven't seen anybody rated this high in a while. Rom's got a 97.6. And then Canlay's not far behind at 92.9. And then there's a big drop-off um, to Scotty Scheffler. So for me, yeah, I'm prioritizing Rom. Um, he's won here before. He's been great in California, you know, coming off of a second-place finish at the turn Tournament of Champions. I think he was 33 under par, which is just ridiculous. It seems like even if he plays bad, he's going to finish, you know, top 15 or so. So I like Rom. The fact that he's, you know, only a little bit more expensive than Cantlay uh, for me is enough. But I do like Cantlay, too. He's played well here in the past. He plays well in California. He's coming off of a fourth place finish of the Tournament of Champions. So there's not a lot separating these two. If you actually look at strokes gained over the last six months, Cantlay is actually ahead of Rom, um, And actually the best, uh, I think the best on tour over the last six months, which is pretty crazy. So I certainly don't follow you with going to any of those two, but I do think there's a, a steep drop off when you get to Scheffler and Finau. If you are going to get the ownership discount, um, if I'm going with one of them, I think Finau is going to be my guy. Um, under 10%, that is interesting um, if that ends up holding. We know he uh, is a West Coast guy, um, T14, T4 here the last couple of years. Played pretty well at the Tournament of Champions. Um, so at least he's got that rust, you know, shaking off. So I like Fina a little bit as a leverage play, but if I'm going single entry, I'm going Rom. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's it's hard to get away from him at the top. Um, I will probably try to get overweight on both Rom and Cantlay here. Uh, and that does come at the expense of some of the other top golfers. I mean, you can't 
you can't play them all and uh, you just, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere. So just based on how the salaries work, that'll probably, you know, get me off of Scheffler a little bit because I will always be tempted by Finau at low ownership. And I think Sungjae at 9,900 is intriguing coming off the miscut last week uh, where he just couldn't make anything on Thursday and ended up missing by a few strokes, but uh, three trips to this event for Sungjae M 12th or better all three times. And so, um, you know, I, I like the both him and, and Finau in kind of that next range. And that's going to have me underweight on Scheffler, um, you know, underweight on Gooch, probably even Connors this week, though that worries me. Um, I guess if we're playing the the good putter narrative this week, we don't want to play all the bad putters. That's maybe that's a reason to get off of Connors. But uh, Seamus Power is the interesting one. I didn't play any of him last week, and he had another strong finish. So how good is this guy? I mean, it's kind of wild to see him playing so well uh, on a consistent basis. If this was last year, he'd probably be, what, 65 to 7,000 in this same field. So uh, pretty crazy. It's uh, one of those things where do you buy the form or do you kind of look to sell high? And like you, I didn't play him last week. I didn't play him the week before. So I kind of feel like I missed my boat. Um, Maybe he keeps it going. But uh, just in this field, there's so many big names around him. I don't think I'm going to get there, especially if he's going to be you know, 10 to 12% owned. Yeah, I probably, uh, this is probably going to be one where I'm riding the boat until it sinks and hopefully it doesn't, uh, it's not an extended stretch, but uh, I'm probably off on him as well. What else do you make of this 9K range? So Sungjae is interesting. You know, he missed the cut last week, but uh, really good course history here. Plays ball on easy courses, plays ball on Pete Dye courses, three straight top 12s at this event. Uh, Taylor Gooch, he was playing great last week, and then uh, he was ended up pair, or he was paired up with Kevin Na that day that he took forever on the greens. You know, he was out there, he was just sitting on the next tee box waiting for Na to line up his putt. Um, I thought that was kind of funny, and he kind of tanked after that. So I think Gooch makes a lot of sense. He's been playing some great golf. Uh, if I'm gonna spend up on one guy that's in great form, I think I prefer Gooch over Power. No issues with Connors, like you mentioned. I don't know if he can win. Uh, at an event where you're going to have to make putts, but he's quietly 47th in this field in strokes game putting on Bermuda. So um, he certainly prefers Bermuda over the other surfaces. I think Wolf is certainly interesting. Um, I like him as an outright bet and like a large MME bet more than single entry, but uh, he's really found something recently. Four straight top 17s. Um, everything that you see on social media is about how good, you know, he's hitting the ball and uh, he's just one of those guys when he gets it rolling, he can, you know, make six or was, seven birdies in a row. He was a guy that he went through a really, really rough stretch. Now I can't remember if something came out like was something came out that he was dealing with depression or anxiety or something, or am I making that up? No. Yeah. He took some time off, uh, you know, just for mental health. Um, I can't remember what it exactly was, but yeah, but he was going through a really rough stretch and yeah. he took that time off. And now I think you made every cut during the fall swing and yeah, that's, He's real streaky. Like, like you say, I think he's probably better as an outright bet. He, he always makes me nervous in DFS, but yeah. uh, these are the types of events where he tends to play well too. Yeah, but I think he's a good showdown play too. If you see him get off to a good start, you can probably, you know, expect him to keep it going. Just he's, he's one of those type of golfers. Uh, answer, you know, his struggles at the Sony continued. You know, we talked about it, man. I thought he was a good leverage play yeah. last week. And for whatever reason, just something uh, off with him at Wildlife. So, uh, he returns to a course where he's been good at. Uh, he's one of the best guys in the field on P-type courses, second and fifth here the last two years. And then Henley's another interesting one because he pops in the model, but uh, he's got a lot working against him. He's missed four straight cuts here. 
And uh, who knows where he's at mentally after, you know, losing that lead. So what are you doing with Henley? I think, look, we have him projected at 20% ownership. I uh, think there's will, no way. That will drop. <laughs> I would guess. I think he's going to be one of the lower-owned guys because he's got so many narratives working against him. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm off of, of Henley. Um, ownership or not, I just worry he's yeah. a little too much. <laughs> yeah. What about Zalatoris? I like Zalatoris, you know, and I put this in my article as well. We just haven't seen him yet. So there's going to be a natural tendency to, even though we've only had two weeks, like the guys who didn't play in Hawaii tend to get ignored a little bit more. Um, You know, and this is a guy who's proven he can compete on the, you know, on on the biggest stages already. So uh, he was a rookie of the year in 21. So, yeah, I like Zalatoris. Nobody's really talking about him. Yeah, uh, really good ball striker. Another guy that I worry about is putting, but um, that's kind of the theme of this 9K range. So uh, definitely a guy that could pop, though. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move down to the uh, to the 8Ks. I kind of agree. Uh, who knows where I'll fall on answer. I'm still kind of waffling back and forth on that. Uh, but uh, we'll see where we end up come Thursday. This is where it starts to get tricky because I think there's a pretty clear drop off once you get to the 8Ks. Uh, I've got nothing against Tringali, but now that he's 8,900, you know, it's not like he's the value. He's not perpetually 7,400 anymore. It's going to bother, you know, it's just going to bother me to say 8,900, you got to play him. I think he's fine. Um, after, you know, reliving our relationship for one week, there's no way I'm going back to Patrick Reed. Can't do that again. So he was T15. He was better than we thought. Uh, whatever uh, the first <laughs> round was too bad I, i'm not playing reed here uh, i mean he, reed like playing with an amateur uh, i don't know you just yeah it just seems like this like if i was one of the amateurs it'd be like oh i got drawn with patrick reed the one guy most people would probably love it it's just my bias my anti-reed bias coming through i guess but you've got like the the, the veterans like rose and fowler in here and i just don't love a whole lot in this range like anywhere in the eight K's and we don't have a whole lot popping in the ownership either. We got Fowler at 10 and, and Reed at 13. So um, more merit to starting with maybe two guys from the nine K's and, and going with some value options. Um, I don't mind Alex Norton always gets overlooked. And once again, he's going to be low owned and, and he finished out the fall swing swing pretty well. So uh, Norton is the one guy I like in GPPs here, but that's about it. So you love anything in this eight K range? Like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys that have upside, but that could easily miss the cut. Um, we didn't talk about the Netflix special. Did you see they're doing a, a PGA show? No, I didn't see that. So they're following, I can't remember how many, but uh, a bunch of guys, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, um, all season. And, uh, you know, all the majors signed up for it too. So we're going to get behind the scenes access to all these guys. It's going to be awesome. Um, and they're supposed to be doing it, you know, for five years or so um, with, with new people each year. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for that. So Fowler ended up signing up for that. So maybe he they'll, can, have to, uh, they'll have to be following him on the Corn Ferry Tour. Pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> maybe they'll give him some special exemptions since he's uh, <laughs> since he's going to be one he, of the stars, He wasn't. Uh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give him some credit. He, he played all right towards the end of the year compared to the struggles before that. So. Yeah, I'm rooting for him, but I want to see it first. Uh, Rose has been playing well, but I can't go there. I like Bazudenhau quite a bit. So he gained 5.8 strokes ball striking last week. He's always in play on these shorter courses, especially with Bermuda greens. And then I like Tringale. 
only weakness he has is off the tee. Um, he still hasn't won on tour. He's still got the record for, you know, most dollars earned without a win. But um, he's a guy that could be easily finish top 20 here. And, uh, yes, like you mentioned, it's pretty ugly range. Uh, at the very bottom, I like Johnny Vegas, not Vegas. Um, I'm glad one of our uh, viewers ended up correcting us on that. But um, he's a guy very good off the tee. He's gained on approach in eight of nine, and uh, he plays peak die courses very well. Um, he always seems to play the the players championship well, and I don't think he's going to be too popular, at least not you know based on our projection early in the week. Yeah, I, I don't mind that call. I think he's all right at eighty one hundred. Um, has some upside compared to some of those others, and yeah, looks like based on our ratings and our lineup HQ grades out well in your model as you mentioned there. So. Uh, what about Howell? Any interest in Howell after uh, he got some buzz there last week and uh, had a oh, he was hit or miss, but did have one pretty good round in there? Yeah, typical Howell made the cut. Um, T36, I have no issue with him. I think he's 10 of 12 here the last 12 trips. And for him, it's just been the irons. I looked it up. Uh, he's getting a lot of strokes off the tee, around the green and on the green. So if he has a good week with the irons, um, I definitely think he could play well. So no issue with him. All right, let's go ahead and move down into the uh, the top end of the 7Ks. And uh, I don't mind targeting a few players in here because I don't think they're that much worse than the $8,000-plus golfers. So Adam Hadwin uh, is trending towards being the chalk this week. He is uh, six for six here with uh, some high finishes. And he also put to put aside a pretty rough season and, and played fairly well in the fall. So anytime you get that combination of course history and the improving form, uh, you're going to get some ownership there. And given that the 8K range is so bad, uh, I will probably eat some chalk with Hadwin, even though that doesn't feel great uh, at 7,900. So I tagged him up this week. It's been a long time since I've gone back to Hadwin. So are you going back uh, with your boy, Brian Harmon? So Harmon, man, made the cut last week, but uh, the ball striking numbers, they are so bad. He's lost, lost off the tee and on approach, not like one or the other. Both lost off the tee and on approach in seven of his last eight. Hmm. And it's not like a little bit. It's, it's really bad. He's losing, you know, two or three strokes on each. He's just uh, running real hot with the putter um, the times he makes a cut. So until that changes, I'm going to be off of Harmon. I agree with you on Hadwin, man. I had him pegged as uh, a guy that I was going to write up as a conviction play this week. But uh, ownership, man, uh, he's not flying under the radar at all. But he's one of those golfers who plays the same course as well each and every year. He's got three top threes here, I think four top sixes. So I'm with you there. I uh, don't mind Russell Knox, but it looks like he's going to be pretty popular too. Played well last week, ended up finishing T7, um, four of four here the last four years. Are you going to go to Knox? He used to be a guy you would bring up every week. I know, but now if I'm playing Hadwin, like I feel – I feel like a fish if I'm playing Hadwin and Knox yeah. in here. <laughs> um, I get that. But, I, I mean, the courses are a good fit. Like, these courses, while they're par 72s, like, none of them are 7,200 yards. So, yeah. uh, e even though they're par 72s, you don't need distance. And you look at the last four years here, Knox has gained over 20 strokes on the field, 16th, 37th, 18th, 29th. And uh, what did he finish last week? T7. So, um I mean, he'll probably end up in my player pool, but uh, I tagged, I wasn't tagging bulls. So I tagged that. <laughs> I like Hadwin a little better, but uh, yeah, I'll probably play some of both. Yeah, I like them both. Uh, the model likes Harold Varner. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with that. He's got pretty bad course history. 
Uh, he played well during the fall, and then he had uh, his baby, and I think he missed the cut um, in his last start before, you know, taking a couple months off. So if he's going to be low-owned, I don't mind it. I can't go back to Grillo. Played him last week. He missed the cut uh, by one or two yet again. And yeah, I had like, like a couple double bogeys, I think. I don't know. It was, it was not a fun sweat. I like uh, Lonto Griffin. I think he's interesting. Guy that's really good Bermuda putter, and then you just never know with his uh, ball striking, but he can get pretty hot. So if he's going to be low on, uh, I don't mind him. Is Gary Woodland ever going to be good again? Feels like he's like the the less uh, the the poor man's version of Ricky Fowler. Like he's just lost it. Uh, I mean, he's good. Like every eight weeks, he'll pop up for a top 10. <laughs> That's not and what then... I want though. I, Cause I'll miss on most of those weeks. I, I'm a fan, but he's been so bad and I haven't like stuck to it. I haven't played him a lot. Um, there's your little guy like, like ask him if he likes Gary Woodland this week, little Noto, do you like Gary Woodland this week? <laughs> we'll get his take, uh, when Noto's able to come back at, I'm just a big fan of Woodland in general, but the form has been so rough for the last six months that, um, you know, it, it's tough to trust him. Um, and I, I still don't know what I'm going to do with Woodland at 77. Does Little Noto uh, like Gary Woodland? He gave him the thumbs up, so <laughs> I'll see. All right. Um, anybody else you like in that uh, in that range or otherwise in the lower part of the 7K? Seems like Michael Thompson's starting to get some buzz too. Yeah, I don't get the the Thompson buzz that much. Um, but Doug Gim's right there. What are you doing with him? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I always play Gim. The ball striking <laughs> numbers are fantastic. He can't putt, uh, but one of these weeks he's going to putt it. And this week, at least two of the rounds, I don't have to follow the shot tracker to see the the six-foot miss. So, um, I don't know. I, I think Gim is a potential breakout guy if he can fix the, fix the putter. Yeah, for whatever reason, he's a guy I usually like on bent grass, but – I think that's just a small splits thing. He can't putt anywhere. We just, we just <laughs> exactly. Gotta, gotta I've tried it and it doesn't work. <laughs> He's also an Illinois guy, so that, that's not why I'm partial to him. I just it, a lot of times you see the weeks where he just throws darts, and uh, you, there's there's some theoretical upside, especially when you start to look at uh, the bottom end of this field. It's pretty ugly. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be playing some game this week. Should we move it along. Yeah, and you got any takes on the lower parts of the uh, the 7K range? I tagged Taylor Moore, too, thinking he might uh, not get a bunch of steam, but he's somewhat chalky, too. So uh, McCarthy was a chalk play last week who looked like he was going to have a brutal miscut, and then he played really well on Friday. Uh, Streelman in there at pretty low ownership, Kazire at pretty low ownership. So uh, you got a favorite out of that group of lower 7K plays. And I was so excited. I, I told everyone to play Brendan Todd over Danny McCarthy last week, and it was looking so good after day one. Both finished T48, so uh, that didn't, didn't do anybody any good. Uh, but the guys I like in this range, uh, the model likes Strillman, just a long-term bet there. He's a good ball striker. He's not a terrible putter, not a good putter by any means, but makes a lot of cuts. So if you want safety, I don't mind going that route. I like Taylor Moore quite a bit. Um, Hayden Buckley as well, uh, T12 last week. Brendan still was kind of the chalk that busted last week. His irons have been really bad, but he's very good in California. Uh, we got to go back to our guy, Alex Smalley. We play him every week. And then uh, at the bottom, I like Adam Svensson, you know, a guy that was really talented in college, uh, played well when he first came on tour and then kind of uh, lost his way, had to fight his way back on the Corn Ferry Tour. 
coming off of a T7 last week, and he's played here before. So a lot of the Corn Ferry Tour guys, you know, they're making their debuts at this event. But uh, he was T18 here in 2019. But it does look like he's going to be popular too. So it kind of seems like all the guys in the 7K range that I like um, are getting some steam. Yeah, it's uh, the field is pretty sharp, so it's uh, it's it's hard to. I, I tag most of my guys on Monday and then check the ownership on Tuesday, and uh, all of them are getting some buzz this week, except for Norin, uh, who, who that doesn't surprise me that he almost always tends to be five percent or less. But yeah. I didn't even see um, Patrick Rogers is here, and it's California. Well, you're the Rogers whisperer. You got to tell us if it's the play. Uh. He's been T64 and a miscut here the last two years. So he did show some life towards the end of last year, though. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he's he, uh, Rogers is a guy that's often hit or miss. So, uh, you know, he's got some potential. I don't mind him in GPPs. He might find his way into my player pool um, in, in if you're building like 50, 60, 70 lineups. But uh, three entry max or something like that, he probably doesn't make the cut this week couple other housekeeping things here as we uh, near the back end of the show. Again, if you're looking to chat with us, Roto Grinders free Discord, rotogrinders.com slash Discord. Uh, join us and chat and ask your questions there in the live stream chat. That's a free channel. Uh, so you can join us in Discord. Also, uh, check out Prize Picks, prizepicks.com or download the app. Promo code grinders with your first deposit will get you a hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred bucks. I was just perusing the prize picks uh, props this week. So they've got the over under finishing position on John Rahm at six and a half. So you're not getting any uh, bargain with the finishing position on Rahm, but um, you've got Finau Gooch at 21 and a half. Um, you got Matthew Wolf at 24 and a half. Don't mind the under on that one. Uh, Zalatoris at 29 and a half might be some value on the under for him as well. Um, and then, uh, if you want to follow Noto's advice, Noto doesn't, uh, doesn't have much of a track record picking the overs on prize picks. So I'll do it for him. I'll do it on behalf of Noto over 37 and a half finishing position for Brian Harmon with those woeful T to green numbers over the last couple of months. So uh, Get ready for a T36. <laughs> uh, over 37 and a half on uh, Harmon. He, he's got uh, he's got better numbers than than Gary Woodland, my uh, my man Gary Woodland. So Harmon at 37 and a half. Don't mind the over on him, but anyway, check that out. Prizepicks.com uh, or download the Prize Picks app. Promo code Grinders for that deposit match on your first deposit. All right, agree on the Buckley call. I played him some last week, so I'll certainly go back to the well at single-digit ownership on him. Um, anything else above 7,000 that uh, strikes your model or your radar? Uh, not above 7,000, but at 7,000, Taylor Pendrith. I mean, you get him on three different par 72s at basically no ownership. I mean, everyone was itching to play this guy during the fall swing season. Everyone... I don't know what his ownership was last week, but he got some buzz on a shorter course where you don't hit a lot of drivers. So I think this is the perfect spot to go back to him. I can always be talked into him as well. So I like that call. Uh, if you can score on the par fives and, and hit it out there a good, a good ways, uh, you can make some birdies on those par fives. So I like him uh, as well. And uh, he'll probably be my pivot away. I don't think I can go back to Hardy. I've tried Hardy too many times. So, uh, probably staying away from Hardy this week and maybe pivot to uh, Pendrith. 
fellow Canadian Adam Svensson had a good week last week as well, but I think that's where a lot of the ownership's going. And I've highlighted a lot of the chalk uh, here in this range. So Svensson is a guy that I will probably steer away from uh, with the ownership kind of being inflated after last week's finish. So uh, agree on the Pendrith call there. And then uh, as we start to get into the six Ks, you know, I, I like the idea of trying to pick a lower own dart or two with the, the, the cut not coming till after the third round this week, but boy, the six K range is pretty brutal in this field. It's pretty brutal. Uh, the model likes James Hahn, which is kind of crazy. I wasn't expecting that, but a guy that's made six or seven cuts here played uh, a couple top 25s um, during the swing season. So I'll have some shares of him. Um, Chad Ramey, another Corn Ferry Tour guy that, you know, played great last year. And so uh, missed a couple cuts in a row, but don't mind going back to him, uh, especially at these birdie fests. These are the type of events where I really like targeting uh, the Corn Ferry Tour graduates. Uh, it's weird seeing Francesco Molinari in this field. Um, he was T8 here last year. No idea where his game's at, but a guy that typically does play well in California. After that, that reminds me, what about a $7,300 Jason Day? Or have you finally, uh, <laughs> have you overcome the day, uh, the desire well, to play him? Once I can't remember what the quote was, but he said something like, you know, I'm just happy that I can walk 18 holes. And that's my main goal right now. I, that kind of just threw me for a loop. So I think I'll wait for uh, some life. Yeah, that's uh, I'm not on him either. I know it, it, the, given the name value in this field that he will appear discounted, but yeah, I can't do that. Anyway, uh, back to Molinari. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a, he's like a 5% MME guy, but um yeah, I don't know. Apparently he played a, a round with uh, Patrick Canley at Riviera a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of my friends texted me that and said he played well. So uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the info, inside info you need this week. <laughs> uh, one guy I don't mind taking some chances on is Davis Riley, uh, 65, 66, 69, 67 last week. Ended up 13 under four pretty consistent rounds um, and uh, finished tied for 20th. And uh, he was – his driving accuracy, um, 79%, 86%, 86% uh, in three of the four rounds and uh, hit 80% of the green. So um, this is a guy that's got some talent that's uh, very hit or miss uh, so far in his career, but uh, I think a solid all-around performance last week and a 20th place finish might be a nice springboard for Davis Riley. So uh, another name that maybe you've heard tossed around the DFS Twitter at times uh, at 6,800 this week. Uh, in a weaker field at the bottom end. I, I don't mind getting a little exposure to uh, to Davis Riley um, because I don't like I don't like a whole lot of other names down here. Uh, who was the name you mentioned with the model? Was it Han or Huh? Yeah. Han. I don't uh, even... Although I did see uh, Sobel tagged up John Huh, so maybe playing both. Okay, yes. That's why I, I got them backwards for a second. So John Huh at 7,100 and Han um who noto likes at uh, 6600 yeah they both have a tag it threw me for a second i don't think they've both been tagged in the same week uh probably you, ever <laughs> pair them up with Cantley and rom to build a <laughs> superstars and scrubs. The superstars and scrubs build you know an another thing that uh you can consider with some gpp builds this week is to stack guys that are starting on the same course in the same lineup build um, the stadium, the, the host course is a little more open. Um, so, you know, it, and sometimes depending on the wind, 
Um, you know, La Quinta can play a little easier or harder depending on the weather conditions. And they're not expecting bad weather by any means or extremely heavy winds. But if one day happens to be harder than the others, maybe one of the courses plays significantly differently. Uh, so you can stack up guys that are starting on the same course uh, and just correlate it in, in your lineups in case that's that happens. So uh, just another thought for your GPP builds. Anything else on your radar this week before we call it a, a show here? Yeah, I'm digging and I'm not finding anything. Uh, the six Ks are pretty there. bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a week where maybe you can take a couple of lower owned guys in that, say, 7,200, 7K range and still play a few golfers at the top. But uh, digging too deep into the six Ks and it's, you know, it's basically just hoping that with the wonky pro-am format uh, that, uh, you know, random guys pop. And that does happen at times in these types of events. So, you know, you'll see somebody like a Sam Ryder coming out of nowhere. Like last week it was how Tong Lee, how Tong Lee was going to be, you know, one of the, the, the kind of up and coming stars. And he had like his last 15 worldwide starts were 12 missed cuts or something like that. And, uh, and he was in the mix after Saturday faded a bit on Sunday, went from third to 12th, but, uh, nice to see him back in, in contention. And, um, it's part of what makes golf great that in GPPs, you can, you can dig to some of these one or 2% owned names, but Han, huh, Riley, um, Scotty G. Scotty G. I think he made the cut last week too, didn't he? Uh, missed oh, he did right not. He missed number. it on the number. Disappointing for our boy, Scott Gachewski. Uh, he'll, he'll give it another whirl here this week. Uh, let's see with that. I don't see any additional questions in the chat and uh, we'll probably go ahead and, and get out of here then. So uh, for Noto and our producer, Steve holding that Matsuyama ticket, uh, hoping for the Titans to win the Super Bowl. I'm Justin. Thanks as always for watching and uh, we'll be back next week. Let's see what's on the schedule. I usually have this pulled up. Once we get into the thick of things, we can roll through the upcoming schedules. So we've got the Farmers Insurance Open next week. Uh, we'll get away from the, uh, the, the Pro-Am. Still utilize two courses to get everybody through the cut, uh, through the, the course in the daylight, limited daylight hours here in the winter months. So they'll still use two courses at Torrey Pines, um, but not the three that we see here this week before we get to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And then the uh, at one of everybody's favorite events, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, there the uh, second week of February. So for Noto and Steve, thanks for watching, everybody. I'm Justin. Have a great week. Good luck in all your golf contests, and we'll catch you back here next week. Same time, same place. Take care, everybody.